As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. Seth has been adamant in the days leading up to this podcast that this episode of Times Ours here on The Athletic is titled A Show About Nothing, uh, in reference to, I think, some old TV show that I've never seen because Mm. I'm a young person and Seth is an old person. It's a very hostile way for me to start this, and Seth, I apologize in advance. I think the the idea of calling this episode what you have suggested is a, uh, a very good idea, because that is actually where we're at right now. The Chiefs haven't done anything since the last episode of Times Ours that we've done, and we definitely need to talk about that fact. And in fact, Seth, as an olive branch for me calling you old, I'd like for you to talk first today, even skipping the line ahead of Nate. I guess the thing that I'd really like to know, Josh, is why do you want Brett Veach to be fired? Um, I So I think, <laughs> so really quick, I do think you're misrepresenting me. Um, I don't want to get defensive, <laughs> But I said that he should be put in medieval stocks so we can throw <laughs> tomatoes at him, is what I said. Oh, well, that's fair, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, and you know what? You're right. I am old. My son <laughs> has now been working at a job for two weeks. He hasn't been fired. And his boss told me that he's doing awesome. So that's wow. how I'm opening up. Shout out to you, Tucker Kaiser, for crushing it at Ace Hardware. Tucker's yeah. also a tall kid, right? He's like 6'2". He towers over me, but he did wrestle me the other night. It turns out the old man can still throw him around. Although, man, he's so tall. He's well, so, so yeah, tall. Really, so what's his 40 time? Because the Chiefs could really <laughs> use a receiver. You know, I actually thought about that, especially a guy over six foot. Yeah. Um, although, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know we'll, we'll let him maybe grow into it a little bit because he's, he's a little gangly. Just a little gangly. He's working on it. Listen, man, the Heisman winner's a little gangly. We can work with that. That's, <laughs> That's all right. Solid point. Solid point. I'll put his name out there. I, I'm guessing what will happen is the Chiefs will have some productive talks with him, but he's ultimately going to leave his options open. And <laughs> 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 leave town without a contract. That's my guess. Uh, and uh, Nate, how, how old is Hayden at this point? Forgive me for not, for not knowing. Hayden is uh, five and a half. He will be six in August, uh, hopefully when we're in St. Joseph at training camp, Lord willing. Mm. Uh, I I, I just want to acknowledge, fellas, I just want us to acknowledge the Chiefs are going to re-sign, you know, Dan Sorensen. 
They have resigned Nick Heiser. Mm -hmm. They have Mm -hmm. they have resigned Mike Rimmers. Mm They they have hey 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 new addition new addition. Stop. They signed Blake Bell. Stop it. The belldozer. You know what? I can't do this. Ben Neiman is back. This ben is a Neiman is back. Specific genre of Chiefs we're picking on right now. <laughs> and uh, and we have now acknowledged the signings that the Chiefs have done in the <laughs> aftermath of Joe Tootie and Kyle Long. Yep. Yep. Th- there you go. That's the list. See you next week, everybody. Play the music. But but that's not what our music sounds like. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You ever listen to the show? No, I've never gotten all the way to the end of an episode. I, I don't know what it sounds like at the end. I sometimes I listen to the beginning and see if the intro is as awkward as it felt in real time, and then I turn it off because I don't want to listen to myself anymore. That's fair. That's fair. They uh, haven't done much. That's no. A, that's an accurate representation. And Josh, you've kind of become the lightning rod, not the lightning rod, but a lightning rod of what I would describe to be a, I don't want to overstate this. Yeah. A perhaps. I'm sure you won't. I'm sure you won't overstate it. Unprecedented and similar to medieval timey level of angst that yeah. is current Chiefs Twitter. Yeah, I, I I actually just posted the Chiefs roster for the 2007 <laughs> season. Just like guys, 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 and gals, let's all calm down a little. Like this is it was like my bane. Like you know, we were born in the dark. Like what are we doing here? It's gonna be okay. So for because of that, I think that makes us mortal enemies at this point, Josh. Because yeah. you have kind of become the lightning rod today, and. And it's been kind of fun to watch. I, I wish I didn't take so much joy in it. I'm well, sorry. So, I mean, here here's what I'd like to do then. If, if we're cool with it, because, because nothing is actually, you know what? Let me do this first. Let me give you the quick two little snippets of news from yesterday. Mm. Melvin Ingram visited the Chiefs and then left without a deal. What? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, isn't it odd? And then T.Y. Hilton just simply re-signed with the Colts. I don't think we ever had sort of the public information on him that we ended up having on Juju Smith-Schuster and Josh Reynolds, who the Chiefs were publicly very in on. Uh, And Nate, you've already written a little bit about sort of the Chiefs' struggle at wide receiver, too. I want to dig into that here in a minute. I want to dig into Ingram in a minute. But here's, here's where I found myself, just with all the frustration in the world coming from this, is I feel like the only people who are freaking out about anything across Chiefs Twitter right now are people freaking out at me telling me to stop freaking out, Mm. which I really feel like I'm not doing. I feel like it's a relatively level-headed place to be to go, wow, well, the Chiefs do not have a left tackle on this roster at the moment. They do not have a starting caliber second defensive end, second receiver, uh, starting center, not on the roster at all right now. Like, there's just some legitimate, inarguably large voids in the roster at this time. And people are hearing me say that as Brett Veach, medieval stocks, tomatoes, let's make it happen. When in reality, I, I just think it's some pretty obvious, pretty basic stuff from saying, you know, grass is green and, and, or unless it's brown, I guess. And then someone's going, oh, so you've never seen the turf at Eastern Washington? Their turf is red, you idiot. So that's, <laughs> that's not what I'm, 
Man, I got lost mid-analogy there. I'm going to be honest with you. What <laughs> ice field is blue? Gosh. Like, it's just, it's just, I'm just saying some factual things and people are extrapolating them into me. I'm not making judgments on the process of this offseason. We can talk about that and maybe I will have some judgments for it. But all I'm saying right now is the Chiefs have some roster holes they didn't have last year. And then some people got very, uh, got very angsty about all the roster holes that showed up as everyone got hurt in the Super Bowl. Like, I just feel, I feel like it's relatively clear cut at this point. There is a, there is an, I think you are reasonable, Josh, in a lot of ways, because there's, there's got to be an understanding that, um, I know this sounds somewhat um, elementary, there are 31 other teams <laughs> in the same league who are also trying to get better. Um, I would like for people to realize that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are essentially doing what the Chiefs did last offseason. Can the Baltimore Ravens sign anybody? Have they been prohibited by the league? (laughs) (laughs) So so it's not not great for the Chiefs, but it isn't cataclysmic either. Um, And I know fans want us to be, uh, you know, a little bit factual with some sizzle of entertainment. It's just really hard to provide that right now because the way I see things going is the Chiefs understood going into this free agency, and maybe I should have said it a couple weeks ago, but there's less certainty here because I've mentioned actually in the past how weird this was all going to be. And for all the talk about one-year deals, one-year deals, you better go out there and get that one-year deal and make something of yourself, young fella. Like, it's just, it's it's hard for guys to leave situations that they already know, that have already made them successful, and there is an inherent risk going to a new team on a one-year deal trying to prove yourself um, in a positive manner. That player that I can most think of right now, Josh and Seth, is Tyron Matthew. And there hasn't been a lot of guys who have been willing to do what Tyron Matthew did, but of course, as I said earlier... Uh, you have to be you have to be mindful of where Tyron Matthew was leaving and where he was going. And there's been less of that this year where I feel like guys have immediately left poor situations that are going to get worse going to better situations that are only going to get greater, if that makes sense. Like, do you feel like there's those type of players that have been out there for the Chiefs to attract by and large at a decent amount to where you feel like, hey, we can take one or two shots and it will uh, better us. They, the, the Chiefs thought that player was really Juju Smith-Schuster. Hey, y'all situation, he's 39 years old, right? Like, he can't, he can't throw the ball <laughs> downfield. Or he won't come January. Um, hey, our situation is good. Perhaps could get better because maybe we'd win the Super Bowl with you. Um, there's been fewer of those players for the Chiefs to really feel like they have a a legit chance to to go after um and it's just it's just not as it's just not as fun and I get that from fans who thought we have a legitimate track record of Brett Veach and Clark Hunt with working with Brett Veach that there would be a there'd be a little bit more um there'd be a little bit more of a fanfare two weeks into free agency the one the one thing that I guess I would would inquire about that 
back to you on, and, and then Seth, I'd like to hear how you're feeling because, um, again, you're the you know Batman of my Joker or whatever at this point. Uh, we need each other to exist, but ultimately, people people are rooting for you unless they're very broken, in which case they're rooting for me. But the uh, the idea of like, hey, you know, Veach takes these big swings and the Chiefs are taking these big swings and all that, and they were uh, from every single report on planet Earth really close to Trent Williams, who wanted to stay in San Francisco and was kind of giving them, somebody uh, wrote it as a de facto right of first refusal. That's not the Chiefs' fault that that Trent Williams was going back to San Francisco with every offer. And frankly, I'm not sure I would have loved that deal. I would have loved that player, but the deal going deep into the future, whenever he would have been around Ben Roethlisberger's age by the yep. end of it, there mm-hmm. would have been legitimate concerns around that. Um, they offered more money to Juju, and he went back to Pittsburgh. Could they have gotten him in Kansas City for an extra $2 million beyond what they were offering? Maybe. I don't know. The thing that I find kind of interesting, and you wrote about this specifically uh, it, about the receiver position in your article today, like, I, I look back at the deals for Corey Davis and Curtis Samuel. I, I look at the conversation around Josh Reynolds. The guys that they did try to take big swings on and missed don't really bother me that much. The thing that has me becoming genuinely concerned is it feels like there weren't a whole lot of backup plans in the works. Like, what What on earth is happening with Austin Ryder? Like, as we record this right now, <laughs> okay. he's been considering the Chiefs' offer for a week. Yep. After a week before, the Chiefs were reportedly not interested in bringing him back. It, it kind of feels like the Chiefs right now went, baby, 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 baby. No, listen, no, Austin, listen, no, we that. love you, I love you. I want you come on, come on, come on back home because the Chiefs figured out that they were not going to get, they were not going to be able to trade up in that particular circumstance. Like, I don't know. Can I, can I, can I ask you a question to your please, question? Please. Um, if you are Austin Ryder or his agency uh, that represents him, do you want a multi-year deal? Sure. I would take, I would probably take one. Now, now, <laughs> now Seth, if you're Brett Veach, Vint, Brent Tillis, Chris Shea, Clark mm-hmm. Hunt, uh, Tim Terry, I basically named everybody in the front office, uh, Ryan Poles, would you give Austin Ryder a, a multi-year deal? I would not. And there you have it. I think yep. I probably would, but I think that I've made my Austin Ryder sort of ambivalence clear already. We've had our whole tofu conversation. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mind. I don't mind I know having tofu, tofu there for two more years. Seth and Seth cannot cannot stress this enough. He does know what tofu is. <laughs> Which might be the highlight of free agency, honestly. Is, is, it really might be. Is Seth not knowing what tofu was? I, I knew it. I just lost the word, guys. It's like sometimes you're trying to do the thing where you string together words into a, a, a line and, and with a period at the end, you know? Mm-hmm. Sentences. You know, it just takes a minute. Um, so th- that's, that's good to know. And just, hey, on a side note, as we as we record, yeah. mm-hmm. um, Carrington Harrison just said starting to get a pretty clear sign that Breland is coming back on a one year deal and what the contract would look like, which is interesting. That would be great. I'd be happy. I'd be happy for yeah. that. Which, but by the way, on a side note, Bashad Breland. I think that he's probably just for the record. I think Carrington's probably spinning off of Malcolm Butler's one year deal that he just signed with the Cardinals. Yes. Yeah. Oh. You, you, it is. Both players are comparable. Um, you could say that Malcolm Butler is a more ball skill uh, cornerback, but I feel like for the Chiefs, and you mentioned this before, Seth, for the Chiefs' um, 
for what they're looking for with their scheme. Um, but Shad Breeland is slightly a better option yeah. than I would assume Malcolm Butler is. But they are in the same yeah. you know, general pay 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 wage, if that makes right. sense. Right. And we can we can talk more about Bashad later if we want to, but I just want to acknowledge that it is not fair that we live in a world where Bashad Breeland can't seem to get a paycheck, like a, a big contract. And like Kevin King is still getting six million bucks on a one year deal mm-hmm. after Bashad has been clearly better than him. For years. Like, it's not even close. And, and But, I mean, that's neither here nor there. With regards to the free agency stuff, this is an interesting thing. I've been thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And I think what has a lot of people angsty, including Josh, and then denying their angst, including Josh. Um, I'm sorry. This is just going to be the bit. The name of the show could be Seth Gaslights Josh for an hour or two. <laughs> I mean, there's all... <laughs> Tell me that that... Seth, tell me though they weren't shrimp tails in my in my cereal. Uh, Go ahead, I dare you. Of course they weren't. I don't know why you would think that. Have you considered getting checked out? You know, don't don't try to defend it. Don't try to defend it. Be like, no, you got to try that. It's (laughs) wings, delicious, delicious. Yo, that is what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know what you. I don't know what you're complaining about. Yeah, I can't even go down that path because I love cinnamon toast crunch. That's a whole deal. Um, so with with. What I think the angst is about, and not even angst, the concern, is that they swung big for an obvious problem and they couldn't quite get there, right? And it doesn't, there's like not been an apparent plan B that people have seen yet. I'm guessing plan B is a tackle in the first round. Which is weird because the team tweeted about taking a tackle in the first round, which automatically led me to be like, okay, sure. But maybe they're telling the truth this time. I don't know. So I think that's what has people a little bothered. And I think if you change that one aspect of free agency, I don't think people really care about the rest of it, honestly. Like the wide receiver thing is concerning, but I don't think people would care that much if Trent Williams were at left tackle, right? And I've been giving this a lot of thought. As I've like tried to figure out, you know, the whole idea of a plan B, because I was like, well, you know, you could try Russell Okun, you could try Villanueva, you could try Riley Reef, and they didn't seem to be in on any of those guys. Well, you know, when Reef signs with, am I saying that right? Reef, Rife? I think it's Reef. Okay, we're gonna go with Reef. I've said Reef. I've said Reef. When Reef signs with the Bengals, he signed notably for a one-year deal, and notably they made it really clear to play right tackle. And I think that probably got in the way because I'm guessing if I were Riley Reef, I've played at a really high level at right tackle, and I've been decent at left tackle. I would take a one-year deal at right tackle, play at a really high level, and get paid, right? Yeah. And if the Chiefs aren't looking for a right tackle, maybe that takes them out of, you know, that game. And I don't think they are looking for a right tackle. And then maybe they, you know, depends. Maybe they just, because I think tend to think Villanueva played okay last year based on the limited steps I've looked at. A lot of people disagree. Maybe the Chiefs don't agree with me, right? Maybe they look at Russell Okung and they say, ah, that dude's been hurt a lot. And so maybe there really just wasn't a plan B because there wasn't a plan B, if that makes sense, right? In terms of the tackle. I think the other stuff, it's just been a a, a series of things that any one thing in a vacuum, you'd be like, dang. Whereas when all of them just happen to come together in one offseason, that's been really frustrating for people. And it's really easy especially considering the special circumstances the Chiefs found themselves in, that they, you know, they lost bookend tackles. One of them really unexpectedly, and one of them, I think, somewhat unexpectedly. I think, you know, 
the, the writing was kind of on the wall with Mitch, and then obviously Fisher gets hurt. So I think they came into this offseason with one more dire need than they expected, right? And that it's amazing how one extra dire need can make things really, really, really scary. And so I, I see where you're coming from, Josh. Like when you talk about like, well, who's going to start at defensive end? One thing I would note is that, you know, Alex Okafor was hurt a ton of last year. He starts with what happened with Williams. And you remember, Josh, you and I, when we were talking on 810, it was like, man, I'm at a point now where I'm going to be really disappointed if they don't get him. And that, I think, set the tone for everything. And then, let's be honest, they just they haven't but, done anything. But it wasn't good last really. year, though. Like, I mean, that one, I feel like I feel like that one is damning with faint praise. I mean, that's hard to see them strike out on certain players and that kind of stuff. I mean, that that's just tough. Had they been able to land anyone else, I think people would feel better. I think people would even feel better if they landed Ingram. I guess, something. but so... But it is, yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, so here's here's why I mean, because I, I I would partially agree on some of that, and I would partially disagree. I I don't feel like I don't I, if they would have landed Trent Williams, I don't think I would be less worried about receiver like inherently. But where I do where I do very much agree there is that there it's it's simply a roster building exercise here. Where, where yeah, of course it's compounding your your weaknesses compound. Because we're going to be looking ahead to the draft, and, and currently, you know, large portions of Chiefs Twitter are telling me that, that Nick Allegretti is actually the Chiefs, you know, starting center in 2021, despite the fact that the Chiefs didn't draft him to play center, he didn't finish his college career at center, and they're trying to get Austin Ryder back because they've realized they're not going to be able to upgrade anywhere else, whatever. Um, the, the issue there is if you if you have all of those holes at center defensive end your second wide receiver please 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 don't tell me after last year that McCole Hardman is some shoe in to be a great wide receiver too and that Byron Pringle Byron Pringle is set to be the third those guys are your three and four I'm here for it. totally here for it. but we know the Chiefs want to have a better veteran like experienced proven second receiver because they keep trying to sign them but the thing that I think ends up being a little bit and and if I if I haven't won you back yet Seth I think I'll get you here People look ahead to the draft and say, well, all of these roster holes, don't worry about it. The draft is coming. And I went back through Veach's three, first three rounds and over his three drafts three years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. just to see kind of the results there in, in aggregate a little bit. And I, I chalked up three disappointments, two role players, two starters, and two still TBD. And then if you go beyond that, I made the cutoff at round three arbitrarily because I think yeah. that's typically where people are expecting starters. But, right. you know, you go, well, uh, Legereus Sneed is a round four. You're right, absolutely. If you consider, can, can, uh, can continue past that, you get Sneed, you get Dana, you get Fenton, you get Allegretti, and then a bunch of guys that are either not on the team or not particularly consequential. But 
the uh, none of that is a value judgment on Brett Veach's drafting either. I think that's a relatively reasonable haul over the course of three years. Maybe you'd like to have three starters, three role players, and only one big bust. I, you know, whatever. And I, also one of those starters is Clyde, which I would argue, you know, you're, it's a high value to pay for a starting running back. I'm not even going in that direction at all. <laughs> it's just, I, I think it's unreasonable to say, well, don't worry about it. They're going to get a wide receiver two who will perform at that level as a rookie, a, a starting edge, which I still think is a really likely pick at, at 31, but also they've got to find a left tackle. They also have to find a center at this point. It's just a lot of open spots that, that become increasingly difficult to fill the more that are them. And I'm not even counting corner right now with or without Breland. Yeah, you, you you would, in a in a perfect world, you would want both events to uh, influence the other, right? You would want the the free agency period to give you better clarity as to what you're looking for in the draft. Um, when free agency goes in this manner, um, where you ultimately ultimately make decisions, but then you come to the understanding that hey. A uh, player went with this team, a uh, player got a better deal. Hey, maybe we were used, which we can talk to later, uh, Josh. Maybe we were used to bump up somebody's price elsewhere that they honestly wanted to land because I think the Chiefs mm-hmm. have been um, in that category a couple times uh, in this free agency period. And by then, you get to the draft and you say, okay, here are the three positions that we should really be focusing on for round one based on what we think the draft is going to fall in the first round considering that we're picking at 31 and, sub, you know, subsequently uh, at the bottom of every round moving forward. Um, it, it's helpful that they have some compensatory picks this year, unlike last year, because maybe they have more chances to get a luxurious need-like player um, in the mid to late part of the draft. But um, Brett Veach had a pretty good draft, I believe, in 2019. Um, when you see the end result of the year and how all those players got better over the course of their rookie season. You're going to need something similar to that in this year's draft, more so than what you got last year, which was basically Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Legereus Neen. Now, obviously, Lucas Niang opted out because of the coronavirus. And so there's they're going to need a draft similar, I believe, to 2019 this year. But you're right, Josh, in the in the mind frame of there's like six legitimate holes. And I don't like it's easy to say, oh, left tackle is the biggest, but you may have to move up to go get somebody that you feel is a starting caliber left tackle who you're just going to throw to Joey Bosa in whatever week. Hmm. Yeah. You know, in their rookie season. I mean, it's it's asking a lot. That's why I think. You know, Russell Kuhn is still is still a possibility um, just because you would want some level of insurance to not have to throw out <laughs> a non-top 10 pick left tackle. But, hey, uh, they still need help on the defensive line, clearly. Um, here's my read on Melvin Ingram, and this has been in the past. Are, are you guys ready? I'm ready. I love. I love the. Uh, I think as Seth said last week, these uh, Nate beams information in everybody else's head moments of this show. I think it's when the show's at its best. Beam me up. Let's go. Now I did call Seth yesterday to kind of go through this, so he's he's kind of heard this already. But my read on Melvin Ingram. Wow, cool, is, cool. No, I know, cool, guys. I know. No, that's fine. No, no, no. I'll, <laughs> hey, I'll shoot you my number just so you have it, Nate. Because I guess you lost it. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, I. And and seed. Oh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so 
Uh, me and Seth were talking about other stuff. Then we kind of got into this. And so my understanding is, look, Melvin Ingram, when healthy, clearly could be a, a nice contributing player for the Chiefs. Uh, he's getting up there in age. But he knows all the moves, all the counters. Uh, not the prototypical player that, that Steve Spagnuolo would, like, mm-hmm. love. But, like, hey, um, can he help us? The answer is yes. Okay, let's go try to uh, persuade him. Obviously, we've seen him over the course of his career in San Diego slash L.A. One of the reasons why Melvin Ingram is a free agent is because the dude is a hard negotiator. Dude mm-hmm. understands what he believes his value is, and it is a credit to him for truly understanding that. Because I felt going into and coming out of training camp, and this was even documented, I believe, in uh, Hard Knocks, the Chargers probably should have signed him. He Mm. probably should have taken a deal with the Chargers, or at least I would have advised him, again, based on his career, based on his age, based on what may happen. He unfortunately got hurt again. Um... But he he reminds me in a lot of way of like Justin Houston, where Justin Houston was like, I am not taking a pay cut. Okay. I don't care what you say. I'll go out in free agency and I'll get that deal. And to his credit, you know, Justin Houston got a pretty good two year deal with the Indianapolis Colts and then fortified himself by actually playing out most of the deal to his production. I think Melvin Ingram wants to do similar things. And so. When you meet with a team for the first time, they know you, you know them to some degree. I mean, this is just one in many conversations. So it's up to now Ingram to, again, find the deal that he feels he is worth. And if he comes to learn that that is not the case, then again, the Chiefs are still in the picture because he physically wanted to meet with them first. And I can't stress that enough. Anytime a team and a player want to meet together, particularly in this climate, because, you know, the whole COVID thing, there's still an option. I just think there's a chance for Milgram to say, I I know what I want to make based on what I'm seeing around me at my position in this league. And if you guys are coming slightly below that, then I'm going to keep pursuing my options. That, kids, is called a sensible negotiation tactics on both sides it's just we're gonna find something out much later i assume um because neither one of them have has to make a deal right now mm-hmm. um but i feel like maybe isn't gonna move on his number and the chiefs as seth kind of talked to me about yesterday and he kind of i kind of tee him up for this the chiefs have been a little bit more i won't say frugal but they have been a little bit they have been understanding that Hey man, the cap going down. We already paid our stars. We're starting to have lines in the sand that we just aren't going to, you know, give you off the rip when we know that there are other options available. Have I have I have I described that correctly, Seth? You you've teed me up very nicely. I I will say I would like to circle around at some point to the to all these holes in the roster and let's chat about them one at a time and find out how bad it really is. Because I'm not sure we'd agree. Sounds Um, like we probably won't. In terms of like, you know, what the roster actually looked like last year uh, versus, you know, what it looked like on paper in week one. And so I'm just, I have a few questions about some of that. But we can circle back to that at a certain point. Uh, So what Nate and I talked about when we talked on the phone for like 45 minutes yesterday, when, when no one called Josh. 
was that oh come on you can't you can't not yell about that josh that's no it's okay i was just trying to figure out what your take is going to be about the how the chiefs <laughs> roster is actually totally fine right now i was moving i was oh, sorry hey, I, hey, I was hey mr i, I I'm really offended 15 that, seconds hey mr i'm really offended twitter is taking my words out of context don't become the thing you hate don't be that guy. I already am. I already am. <laughs> I you already am the monster. At the Look end at of my book. Twitter. You know that I'm already the thing that I hate. That's, I'm the exact thing I complain yeah, about. Constantly. You know, you're a very Roman seven analyst. I understand. We're back to New Testament references this I wish week. I, I wish I knew the specifics of that reference. So I, <laughs> I do the thing which I hate, and I do not do the thing that I love. You know, as a wretched man that I am, who can re- anyway. So <laughs> I called you wretched. I guess that's my bad. Do I get? I'm at, I've been out of school for a while. Do I get chapel credits for that? I gotta call. I gotta call MNU and figure out if I got yeah, any extra chapel. Yeah. Credits. Well, I'm not ordained anymore, but I bet they'd still give it to you. So here, here's the thing that that I'm actually writing about right now for the Chief of the North newsletter is that you. I feel like you're seeing a bit of a shift in what the Chiefs are doing this off season. I feel like if it were last off season, maybe not even last off season, but definitely the year before. I think they would have paid whatever it took to bring Trent Williams into KC. I think they would have. And I think the evidence kind of favors me a little bit on that. When you look at the Mahomes era, so let's, the the thing that I'm starting with in the article is what I believe to be an un indisputable statement. The Chiefs have been the most successful team in the NFL the last three years, right? Two Super Bowl appearances. Two Super Bowl appearances, three AFC championship games hosted. No team in the AFL has ever done that. Right. Or AFC, excuse me, not AFL. Right. And so you've you've got no other team. Like New England went to the Super Bowl and the AFC championship 2018 hasn't been back at all. Green Bay went to the NFC Championship twice. They haven't been to the Super Bowl at all. No one else has been like back. You had Tennessee once, Buffalo once. Um, it, it, the, the only other team that would be an argument would be Tom Brady. Yeah. If Tom Brady were a team in and of himself, yeah. he would have an argument to have equivalent or more success because they won in 2018 than 2020. Um, so, yeah, that's fair. Tom Brady has an argument about that against a lot of teams. <laughs> so here's here's one thing I've noticed, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really lay this out. In, in the article, as even I've started to consider this, when you look at the moves they made going into 2018, they were willing to pay any price to take what they perceived to be that next step from playoff contender to Super Bowl contender, knowing what they had in Mahomes, right? They paid Sammy Watkins a lot of money. Um, Regardless of how you feel about that decision, at the time, looking at his 2017 film, I get it. I do. So they were willing to pay Watkins whatever it took, right? They were willing to outbid the market for him. They were willing to outbid the market for Anthony Hitchens, such as that market may have been. And were they, were they were, skit again? I asked this on the, on the phone. <laughs> Who were they outbidding? And was I, that man Jerry Jones? I, I guess it was Jerry Jones, but. And, and, yeah, you know, but hey, when you get to free agency, kids, they gotta overpay. Yeah, it's just yeah. And by the way, um, you're located in Kansas City. Like there is still a perception in 2021 that hey, you know, Trent Williams was willing to stay in San Francisco mm-hmm. and play for perhaps a lesser team. That's all. I'm just acknowledging the facts. <laughs> these these are just the facts. They are undisputed that Trent Williams wanted to stay in San Francisco. I mean, he's been honest about it. Yes, like, yes. I, I just, uh, 
Yeah, he, he's been, he's like, yeah, this is where I wanted. Basically, like you guys kind of said, right of first refusal. So you look at what they did with what they perceive to be like two of the biggest glaring holes in the roster, right? And they arguably also. overpaid for both. Yeah. I'm sorry, what was his name? What was his name, J- Josh? <laughs> I, was, I, I Honestly, I didn't know if Seth was going to mention Frank Clark because he obviously wasn't a free agent signing. But they gave up the draft picks and gave him a lot of money. Also. But that, honestly that was the don't next year. That. So we're moving forward in time. Yeah, I see. I, okay, I will say right. that that was essentially, and we should we should remind fans, that is essentially a free agency deal. The dude was on the franchise tag. Yeah. The Seahawks were basically putting him in front of not 31 other teams, but a good chunk of the league. And it became a kind of a free agency market deal where you knew once you acquired the player, you were giving the player a if, pretty yeah. significant contract. So you're not only, as Josh has mentioned this before, you're not only giving draft picks up, but you're giving obviously cash space that you've obviously uh, put together for said player. So in essence, it's it's a free agency deal. Right. I thought you were kind of just working through it, though, Seth. I missed that you were going specific just 2018. So right. Yeah, so yeah, just year by year, right? And then you see what happens in 2018, you know, so they revamp the entire defense, bringing a new defensive coordinator. Like it's like when you look at like who played significant snaps in 2018, the guys they brought in 2019, massive defensive overhaul, right? That's one reason why I don't really buy the whole like Brett Veach had this pre-made roster argument. I think on offense, there's a good argument to be made there. On defense, they they redid everything, right? And you see once again going into 2019, it's an at any cost. And Frank Clark, I think, would be like the poster boy for that, right? Mm-hmm. They were like, we need at any cost to change the locker room, to get a guy we view as a, as a dominant edge rusher, who's also great against the run, all these things. Um, and it was at any cost because, I mean, they they paid an arm and a leg for him and they traded for him. Uh, Tyron Matthew, they paid, I would say, above market value for, for Matthew, maybe. Because it's worth keeping in mind, there were a couple other safeties available that year that were, at the time, maybe yes. considered the, the better buy. Yes. And so, but the Casey went into both those seasons, right, knowing they were on the brink and at any cost. They're like, nope, we're just going to get them. We're going to get them. That's what we're going to do because we have got to get over this hump. And then, hey, 2019, they did it, right? They get over the hump. Hey, yay, party for everyone. It was awesome. I cried. I, you know, I think pretty much everyone did. It was great. Then you have a bizarre offseason, and no one really knew what to make of them, like the whole run of back campaign. It's like, ah, that makes sense in a year where everything's kind of weird, so they don't bring in any big-time free agents, anything like that. And everyone's like, ah, that makes sense, right? It, it was considered a triumph that they were able to keep the roster together, right? This time no, last year. No, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, it was definitely triumph. a triumph, yeah. And they came within some catastrophic injury luck and going against the worst possible opponent at the worst possible time from maybe doing it. And now we're, I think we're seeing maybe a shift. I think if Trent Williams, that stuff or Juju Smith Schuster, that stuff was two years ago before they won it all and know that they're a Super Bowl contender already, which for the record season starts tomorrow. The chiefs are a Super Bowl contender, a legitimate one. Regardless of the very real, and that's what poor Josh is trying to communicate to people, and I think doing a wonderful job, there are it's very real holes try. there. See, the olive branches. Um, and, so, and so I think you're seeing a shift in this all-in approach. I think two years ago, they say, oh, San Francisco just upped theirs to 
50 million guaranteed. We'll do 55 guaranteed. You know what I mean? Just, Mm -hmm. it would have just thrown whatever it took at it. And I think you're seeing an end to that. I think you're seeing an end to that with Melvin Ingram. You're seeing an end to that with the wide receiver market. And it's going to be an interesting next step in Chiefs philosophy, particularly given how top heavy the team currently is. You might see a little more conservative approach as maybe the powers that be say, you know, we're a Super Bowl contender already. We don't need to sell the farm to become a more Super Bowl contender or whatever phrase that would be. So I'm writing about that now because it seems like a, a, a shift in philosophy. And I would say, too, there's a difference between saying, OK, Juju Smith-Schuster, um, here's 11 million guaranteed over the course, essentially of a year, as long as you stay healthy versus we're going to match Pittsburgh's eight and give you three more based on incentives based on your health, availability, production, things of that nature. So, I mean, look, this goes to the things that Brett Veach is comfortable with in regards to what Clark Hunt wants with the cap specialists. Again, I need to mention their names so just people understand who they are. Chris Shea, Brent Tillis, like these guys adjusted and figured out the cap based on the relationships they already had with players and those players' agents last year. That gave them mm-hmm. a great advantage. This year's a little differently because you're trying to go out and get certain specific players that you think will help you at, again, various positions of need, but you're only doing it in a short-term manner when those players and agents have relationships with the teams that have already employed them in the past. So mm-hmm. it's a it's 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 not like walking a tightrope, but it it isn't, you know, this is their philosophy and they have chosen to go this route. And again, sometimes when you get into free agency, you're going to have to overpay. Um, and they have they have chosen not to by and large. Um the the one exception might be Joe Tooney, but the understanding there is, dude, they never missed a game, and he's good at football. So what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's yeah with Tooney, that feels like an exception where they were like, holy crap, this offensive line thing is bad. Like, and that makes me I mean, wonder. They, they, they tried to do it with Trent Williams, though. Like, I mean, I I think I Correct. agree with your concept in large part, but like they were there at the end on Trent Williams. If he just if he's not taking it back to San Francisco, I don't think we're having. Quite the same true. conversation. Very true. But I think they still could have outbid him. Like, there's always another offer you can make. There's always sure. there's always a, you know what? We got this last offer to you about a half hour ago. Haven't heard from you, dude. What uh, What's going on? You need to sweeten the pot a little bit? I mean, there's always the option to be ridiculously. But I do agree that they, they tried to do it by and large with Williams. And I think that's in part because they ended up with a, a, a giant hole at left tackle that they didn't expect. Right? Yeah. They thought, oh, this will be the last year of Eric Fisher's contract. You see the plan. I mean, you know, Chiefs fans, look, Mitch Schwartz, in, and this is not, I have not talked to anyone. Yes, I love to tweet with various people who play or used to play and stuff, but this is just what I'm thinking. You see the Chiefs draft a right tackle that they love, um, that they've been very open that they love. They always knew that Mitch Schwartz's time was coming to a close. Perhaps it came to a close sooner than they expected, but that was the Lucas Niang plan, right? So when people talk about the hole at right tackle, they really were planning on addressing that. And then you have suddenly, well, we thought we had one more year to address with Eric Fisher. They might have maybe taken a tackle in the first rounder this year to play left tackle, regardless yeah. of what happens with Fish. 
I mean, they like him, so maybe they just would have extended him for a few years instead. I don't know. But you see, and I think they were like, oh, okay, wow, that's a big deal. There happens to be an elite left tackle in free agency, which never happens, people. Mm-hmm. Like, that never happens. So it's like, oh, well, crap. Look at that. It's, uh, you know, serendipitous. So you go for it. So I, I think you're absolutely right. It seems like they're still willing to attempt those big swings, but there was still a limit to how far they were going to go. Um, and I think with Tooney... There was just a matter of you you look at the line. I my theory, and I'll never be able to prove this because you never know what would have happened. I think even had Fisher not torn in his Achilles, I think the Chiefs still go out and splurge on Tooney just because they've seen how tough the interior line has been the last couple of years. Because it's been a problem for multiple years in a row now. I'm good with that. Uh do you want to talk about the the roster holes then and see where all three of us land on some of these? Yeah, that would be fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was, I'm, I'm just going to go through one at a time, just ones that I had, like, tweeted out. If I get to the end and we haven't mentioned one that you think we should talk about, holler at me. Yeah. The left tackle is what we're talking about right now. Left tackle is in worse shape than it was at the beginning of last season. One thing I think is interesting is where we want to use, what we want to use as a marker. I would argue that we should use preseason, pre-draft, whatever, even last mm-hmm. year, because it's the most, um, yeah, we, you know, directly comparable. Yeah, exactly. like, you're talking, like, week one. Going yeah, up against. or or even or even pre-draft last year because mm-hmm. we're pre-draft now, right? So, you know, okay. it's not sure. And that however explain, you guys want to move it around, I'm I'm flexible on that. Might explain where you and I end up at a different point because the way I'm viewing it is, what was a contributing factor, a major contributing factor, or non-contributing factor to them making the Super Bowl last year? And so, like, you know, we can look at, so, like, so you, for example, would say right tackle, right? Because you're comparing it to pre-draft, Mitch Schwartz. Obviously- I, no, I'm not even, I'm not even, I, I mean, I would say, I think, here's, so here's two different parts of this. There is places they got worse from this point last year to now, mm-hmm. or even we could do it about the Super Bowl if you want. And then there is legitimate, just like, gaping roster holes that exist in this moment, really independently of whatever other context you want to do. Right. Definitely a different analysis for sure. And that might actually explain where you and I would drop down in different places. Because so like the way I was viewing it is what, what were, what were spots that are equivalent to or worse than the team that by and large average out, however you want to say it made the Super Bowl last year. And that's probably a kinder way of looking at it, right? Because it's sure, we can also do that. That's also fine. I'm 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 cool with that. We can set whatever sort of uh, uh, signpost we want. I'm, I, cool. I think I think Matt Verderam. We were tweeting with him some about it. And I think he said like AFC Championship game. I that's think fair. I think that's a little. The reason I like to go back to essentially this time a year ago is because I do think that you can you can change the start and stop times in a way that will support an argument one way or another. Yes. But I'm I'm cool with doing average roster, all that stuff. That's that's fine with me. Okay. That I, so yeah. I mean, they're they're worse at left tackle right now and there's uh, my 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 tweet that got all of my mentions all heated is <laughs> they don't have a starting left tackle right now. There's just there is simply right. not one. Absolutely like Martinez agree. Rankin. That Correct. is there is not currently and you can always do the, well, what about, you know, Yesir Durant? Who knows how he's progressed? It's like, look, there's no one that we've seen even projected to be a starting left tackle at this point right. that I'm aware of. Right. So, right. yes, I absolutely agree. Uh, DE2. I am comfortable, but not, I'm not, how about this? I'm not happy with the rotation of Dana and Charlton, but... Because it's not appreciably worse than what they trotted out virtually all of last year, I'm not stressing about it too much. 
At the same time, the counter argument to that would be, yeah, but it wasn't good enough at the end. Like you wanted more from than what you got. Yeah, if they wanted to bring, if they wanted to just bring, if they wanted to run it back again, they could go bring, uh, they, and they may, they go bring Passanio right back again. They can see if Alex Okafor wants to come back one more time. They're, they're trying to upgrade on that spot though. Like that, the edge, the edge rushers yeah, weren't good enough. I, last year. I, I have, I have more confidence between the remaining days of free agency and the draft that that position will get better. Mm-hmm. Um, left tackle is pretty much a, 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 an up in the air. Hope hope somebody has an Aaron Rodgers fall, but they just play left tackle instead of quarterback at the draft. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's definitely true. And so I think with defensive end, it's a matter of, do I view it as, as a gaping hole in the roster? I don't. But that's partly because I like Mike Dana. I like Taco Charlton. Maybe my optimistic side is enough to say, you can definitely... Go to the Super Bowl without that position dragging you down. You, you know who I haven't mentioned who would love to play more defensive end <gasps> given the opportunity. <laughs> Who's that, Nate? Uh, his name is Chris Jones. <laughs> now, and- Steve Spagnolo and Brendan Daly are like, ooh, I mean, but you're you're great at this. So, yeah. Yeah, but- you know, what, what <laughs> you- are we doing? Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I hear you, Chris. Can we get back to you in a few weeks? <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's probably been the phone call for the last like two years. Hey, can we let's put a pin in this? Yeah. It's a good idea. I'm thinking about it. I'm, like I'm glad I'm glad you're putting some thought behind it. I'm glad that you are, you know, putting your mind in that place. I just, you know, we've got consistent behavior on tape that suggests you're one of the best defensive tackles in the league. Yeah. So just continue to work at being great there. Yeah, why would you? And that's an interesting thing. Unless Tershawn Wharton takes a big step forward um, to where you, th- and even that, like, why would you move? You know what I mean? If Tershawn Wharton takes a big step forward, put him at defensive end. That guy's an insane athlete. Like, <laughs> like I that 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 is one of the funnier conversations. I mean, I like Jones coming in at end occasionally. Occasionally, yeah. But no, that's definitely so. So defensive end. Could we? Could Josh? Are you willing to go with a maybe on that as a gaping hole? I mean, like they have, they they like having a rotation. The, the difference Josh we're having to, here, yeah. Josh needs to see who it is before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That, we don't. And like, I understand that. I, I totally understand that. I I am le- again. I'm leaning more in Josh's category here, but mm-hmm. again, I, I have more confidence that they can fulfill that gaping hole with something. Um, I'm not sure they had a starting defensive in last year opposite Frank Clark. You, Honestly, I, 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 I don't mean, think I don't I'm, think Taylor Passanio sure. as a starting defensive end is a good place for him. Right, and Okafor just never got healthy enough to yeah, do as well as correct. he did in New Orleans. It was unfortunate. Yeah, or even as well as he did in 2019. This this team does not have a center on the roster at the moment. Just simply, they just yeah, simply don't. We're good on that, yeah, one, right? That's, Accurate. That, that's right. That's right. Again, if somebody, you know, uh, I think I said on the last show, and again, this still holds, kids. Uh, still 50-50 with Austin Ryder <laughs> and crickets when I ask about Nick Allegretti at center. <laughs> <laughs> to, this, is, this, this is where, again, I don't feel like it's overreacting to say currently two-fifths of the offense of the Chiefs' offensive line, they do not have a player to play that position on the roster. That 
just seems alarming to me. But they do have 96 guards, so maybe they can figure that out. Yeah, apparently Um, you can just, if he plays guard, you can slide him over to center. I got people like, hey, can Kyle Long play center? I'm like, I I don't think so. He's literally never played center, guys. And that's, (laughs) it's just not that simple, folks. I I, I just, do I think that if, uh, if, if Rodney Hudson had been cut instead of traded, that he oh. would be a chief right now. I absolutely think it. And hey, hey kudos to the Raiders. You know where his first. You know where Rodney Hudson's first visit would have been had he been cut. Oh, it would have been Kansas City. There's not yeah. even a. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I'll, again, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, the the Raiders knew that. Yeah, the <laughs> so. Raiders knew that. So, <laughs> so we're we're definitely really worried about left tackle and center as things currently stand. Sure. I I'm I, again. I think that. We're doing some pretty some pretty uh, rose colored glasses stuff on the defensive imposition last year, but that's all you know. That's fine, whatever. Right, but um, it didn't matter that two, much. No, I mean yeah. also like if it doesn't matter that much, they also shouldn't be playing Frank Clark. But that's also that's a whole other that we'll we'll get around to Frank Clark and, and all of us getting tweeted by him later on this offseason. Yeah, so. yeah, no no joke. I would say that that the play wasn't at such a level that it mattered. Like it wasn't so bad. That it mattered that much. I think if you went and you like you didn't, let's say you removed Mike Dana and Taco Charlton from the roster and just put out guys there that absolutely stunk. I think that would matter. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nate, for making a noise first because I just didn't have one. I don't. Eh. Well, I mean, we heard it here first. Nate and Josh think Taco Charlton and Mike Dana absolutely stink. And so, <laughs> uh, Tano Passano had one of the worst seasons in football among starters at Edge last year. Yeah, he was. Bad. Um, yeah, it, it's tough. And I really, I liked him. And also, by the way, this is this might be me taking a pot shot at Brett Veach. It's not. That's not fair. But you know who the starting defensive end this year is supposed to be? Breland speaks. Yeah, <laughs> he. Like the plan, I am confident at some point was. Oh yeah, year one or uh, yeah. he'll, he'll be a starter in uh, in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one, and he's. I'm not even, I think he's on a futures contract with like the Giants, Giants right now. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't like to repeat myself either here or in the written word on The Athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to repeat myself when I do these mock drafts, whether it's our beat writers where, you know, we have somebody responsible for all 32 teams. Obviously, I would, you know, be picking on behalf of the Chiefs. Or if I do my Chiefs seven-round mock draft, which will, again, 2.0, I assume, is coming uh, relatively soon. All you gotta do, <laughs> if you if you select a defensive end in the first couple rounds of the draft, is be better than Breland Speaks and Tidal Passio. That mm-hmm. is the bar. Yeah, I'm just gonna repeat it and write it all the way through the draft because they'll probably take a defensive end somewhere in the first three rounds. Right. Uh, the other position that I I had mentioned, they're simply not being a starter at is wide receiver two. Um, if you want to say, I mean, Watkins played in the majority of games last year. I think it was, but not by a ton. Um, also, Demarcus Robinson not currently on the roster. Right. You want to nitpick on that one? I'm I'm somewhat flexible, I guess. I just I'm not no, ready I, to be hurt again by my faith in in McCall. Right. Yeah. No, we've been hurt before. Yeah, Josh, I agree with you until proven otherwise. Um, yeah, guys, I just need you to remember McCall Hardman. What they told us coming out of the draft is. Dude's an electric, great uh, plus player on punt and kickoff return, which that actually bore out uh, during his rookie season. And um, pretty raw when it comes to running routes. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and you didn't see that jump from year one to year two to year that two. you were hoping for. And that that I thought I, I wrote a giant. He was the first guy I ever broke down on the Chiefs of the North newsletter, and I wrote how you could see his routes improving as the year moved along. And then, so you know, it's natural to try to extrapolate that, and it just didn't happen. Um, if you think McCall Hardman is is ready to be wide receiver too. Um, there are some arguments he will have a, hopefully, uh, he will have two years of truly understanding what it takes to be, you know, better at the NFL level. He still has the speed, the talent. He will have obviously a tighter grasp on the concepts, the play design, and even the new plays that Andy Reid puts together, uh, along mm-hmm. with Eric Enemy, of course, just because, you know, he's been through it two times. It would just be like any of us going through our job, uh, for the first and second year. Those are those are legitimate arguments that I can't really refute. What I can say is um, it got to a point, and you know this, Josh, it was about mid-November where they said we, we, we either have to design plays specifically for McColl in mind yep. or we need to really rely on Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, who, to their credit, were healthy, available, and... And awesome. Both, and both having their prime, like their prime apex seasons at the same time. Yeah. Yep. Having that happen again That's tough. is 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 going to be a lot to ask. Both Travis Kelsey and Tyree. Hey, can you guys have another apex prime season like together? Um <laughs> so all I'm saying is the Chiefs understood Sammy Watkins. Tried his best. He was out there in Tampa, but he just he just wasn't he just wasn't a a factor the way he was obviously in the championship run of 2019. They have specifically designed plays for McCole Hardman guys. Patrick Mahomes saw, and I, I just I want you guys to rewatch the first quarter of the Super Bowl. I know that's a hard assignment, but listen mm-hmm. to me, guys. If you want to get through this class. And not go to summer school, you should probably watch the first quarter of the Super Bowl again. Because mm-hmm. it is clear to me that Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and Patrick Mahomes were like, these plays will work regardless of the coverage. Because we've already known their principles based on pre-snap just evaluation of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for, you know, an entire season, basically. It really comes down to McCole Hardman. So I don't think he's going to be their wide receiver too this year. Is my opinion following that. <laughs> and I agree with you. All right. Excellent. Uh, so I, we need to, because we need to wrap up and I want to give kind of one more little sweeping thing here and then I'll, I'll see what you think about this as well, Seth. I am also accepting with, with the terms that I have set there in terms of positions that do not have starters. I am accepting that Willie Gay Jr., who played a grand total of four snaps in 2020. I don't care that that's not actually accurate. It feels right. Uh, and, but, but those four snaps were fire! Oh, man, dude, that dude was flying. Uh, he's linebacker two. Ben Neiman is linebacker three. Like, I, I really don't... I'm accepting those things. Right now, Rashad Fenton is your third corner. Um, I, those are guys in those spots that I could see maybe working, maybe not. You know, your Blake Bell tied in two kind of... Some maybe could work, maybe wouldn't work that I I feel like I'm being pretty generous about. 
Um, mm. And even even with that, it seems like there's a lot that I'm still pretty nervous about mm-hmm. on behalf of the Chiefs. And I, I just I don't think it should be a, uh, a an absolutely heretical thing to to point out that there are some issues there that they really should be trying and are tr- that they are trying to address yeah. that we should note as an issue right now. The other thing that's driving me absolutely mad is that uh I but I'm not but I'm not mad just so you know. But the thing that's driving me mad is that I don't feel like we've said anything here that the Chiefs aren't absolutely aware of, but yet the pushback to it via Chiefs Twitter has been fast and furious 9. Sure. I would What's interesting to me, like with regards to the Willie Gay stuff, I get it. The Rashad Fenton stuff is surprising to me, honestly, because we've seen him when called upon two years in a row play pretty well. Mm-hmm. And so, I, so like, I just, I'm not stressed about Rashad Fenton. I'm not stressed if, like, I hope they bring back uh, Bashad Breland because I think Breland's a better corner than Charvarius Ward. I think he's more consistent, right? But, like, I'm not sweating a cornerback group if this is how it goes down of Snead on the outside, um, Breland on the outside, and Fenton coming in on, you know, three cornerback snaps. Maybe Snead slides inside on those times. Maybe Fenton plays some of it. He plays pretty comfortably in zone from the slot. So I'm not sweating that. Now, the problem is you can never have too many corners. So if you want to talk about cornerback depth, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, guys. You know, we counting on Baker to get healthy? What are we doing? Yeah. The the secondary was playing very, very well down the stretch last year. And you've, outside of Bashad Breland, you've got that secondary. So I'm not stressed about corner. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm cut. I'm sorry to cut you off. And I'm, this is, I, I've tried to figure out a way to ask this question that doesn't make me sound like a bleep hole. But what did you hear me say? Like, how did, how did, what did I say that made you think that I was freaking out about? I, I'm saying I'm leaving linebackers and corners. Right. But you made it sound like you were doing the, me a favor in the argument. And I'm saying that's not a favor in the argument because that one's fine. So it's not well, like, but you're also, being but generous because you said generous. I would argue well, that I wasn't, it's not also generous. none of this, this is also going to sound like me being a jerk, but none of that was to you. Like, that's all stuff that I tweeted out yesterday that has been yeah. this, this tidal wave that you have like picked up again. That's fine. <laughs> But also, like you mentioned, the depth issue. Legarius Sneed broke his collarbones Bre- uh, last year. Breland got suspended. Like this is also an issue. Whenever you're, if you're, if your second and third linebacker are are Willie Gay and Ben Neiman, I could not tell you. I cover this team. I could not tell you who the fourth guy is. I right now, if DeAndre Baker's not healthy, don't know if there is a fourth corner on the roster. Like I just think there's got to be. We got to have a little room to talk about that, right? Right. But who removed that room from you? No one. I'm just providing the alternative viewpoint, right? I don't feel like it has to be alternative, but that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Right. I, just, I, I, I won't then. Because I, 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 I feel like I've been talking about how, how much I actually do enjoy Rashad Fenton, specifically in the slot for like two straight years now. And I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm not totally sure how we got to that, to that point. Like, I think I'm, I'm leaving that out of saying that those are things that I'm not particularly stressing Stressed about, about yeah. when I am talking about tackle, center, edge, receiver. But that's yeah. All right. Just Fair just enough. go. Just you know, my suggestion to the Chiefs would be just go. Just go find a way to sign Eric Wilson, just so that you have three linebackers that you can real feel real confident in. Because we obviously assume Willie Gay is going to make a jump. Um, and Anthony Hitchens will be what he has been um, since he's been with the Chiefs. 
And that way, Ben Neiman's snaps are more allocated towards dime and, and special teams. But just just go sign Eric Wilson, you know, away from the Minnesota Vikings. I wouldn't hate that. I, I cut you off, Seth. I, I, you're, I, I don't want to uh, to leave you halfway through a point. I just, I'm out here. I want to also jump to the defensive Rashad Fenton's honor. That's <laughs> Well, I'm glad someone is. Um, no, and that's, I just think it's a, it's, it's an important thing to note in terms of what positions are worrisome, what positions aren't. And that's one corner, you know, is one that I, I, it's just been an interesting one to see the the conversation around that. So it wasn't specifically directed at you. I just jumped at the opportunity yeah. when you kind of noted that it was, you know, you're being kind of generous to not make a big deal about it. And I was saying, well, I, I think yeah. that. It really isn't a big deal. But the depth part, you hit the nail on the head there. Where that's, you know, you can't count on your top three cornerbacks being your top three cornerbacks all season. And I don't know if you can count on Baker to be healthy. So I do think at the end of the day, though, like what we've nailed on, center and left tackle, they don't have a starter. Defensive end, at the very, very, the most positive thing you can say is they haven't improved after a year where it was a it was an issue, right? Yep. Yep. And then wide receiver, you know, Sammy, I've been watching Sammy Watkins' film from last year. Um, I think injuries have taken their toll on his explosiveness. And that's that's a bummer for him. You know, he obviously spent a lot of the year hurt. Wide receiver, I'm not prepared to count on McCool Hardman either. But I'm not so sure that it's going to make really one bit of difference in the offense, whether or not it's Demarcus Robinson taking those snaps that Watkins wasn't always taking, or Sammy Watkins, based on the way he was playing last year. In terms of explosiveness, I don't know if it moves the needle having Byron Pringle there, to be honest. Even if we assume Hardman can't do it, and that might sound harsh to Watkins, and I don't mean it that way. I appreciate everything he's done, but he he just did not look like what he was last year. And so that's where, with wide receiver, I do think that's concerning for sure. And I think if I were to give, you know, in a show about nothing, fans that I think are pretty <laughs> understandably, uh, see, I could not say it. Uh, in, a, in fans that are understandably concerned, especially about the line, because there are holes in the roster, and you're absolutely right on that, I would just note that outside of the offensive line concerns, which are a big deal, I just don't see anything here that wouldn't have presented as an issue for the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. And so there's at least some hope there, right? That these aren't things that need to topple the Chiefs from their perch if they get the offensive line figured out, which is a pretty sizable if I will concede <laughs> all they need to do is draft a really good tackle in the first round and hope that their free agent signings work out really well and that Mike Remmers doesn't take a step back or Lucas Niang is as good as they think I mean that's that's fine right uh Josh, Y'all's need to add a center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that. Yeah. Josh, I, I would say oh, yeah, also yeah, LDT yeah, and Kyle yeah, Long. LDT and Kyle Long do need to stay healthy also. Yes. Which, well, that should that should be fine. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> Josh. What, other than that, though, what I what I would tell you, Josh, for confidence levels as, as well as Chiefs fans is, um, cornerback should not uh, be really um, at the at the forefront of of pain and anguish just because uh, they got it right with Rashad Fitton, they got it right with Legereus Need, they got it right with Traverius Ward, who they didn't even draft. So they they have an eye for. Young talented. Brett Veach is never going to draft a corner in the first. Oh well, never. I can't help you there. <laughs> no, no, believe me, I, I know that. I'm I'm very aware but, of the fact that Brett Veach is never going to sign Patrick Peterson. He's never going to draft a corner in the first three rounds. I get yeah. it. Yeah, and and look, we we haven't <laughs> even seen Bo Pete Keys yet, and whoever they draft hey. in this year's class, uh, 
you have to give them the benefit of the doubt in terms of faith based on their of their track record moving forward. And look, I know some fans are still disgruntled about Demarcus Robinson catching the ball and running backwards, but you know, I did a little Google search. He had a career year last year with mm-hmm. a slight uptick in, in snaps. So mm-hmm. if they sign Demarcus Robinson back, it's not just because of the continuity that he would obviously bring because he's already been within the system, but his production has gotten better over the course of Patrick Mahomes' career with the Chiefs. Bo Pete Keys and McCole Harmon, everybody. Let's go. Running it back again. Hell yeah. It's everything's fine. That's Demarcus I'm playing, Robinson, I'm playing tackle. Sir. <laughs> all right there it is that's the show uh if you want to read more from seth you've got his stuff up on the athletic and the chief of the north newsletter at mnchiefsfan.substack.com you can follow him on twitter at real mn chiefs fan nate's got all of the work up on the athletic including this piece right now about the chiefs hunt for a number two wide receiver that so far has not resulted in one uh you know but whenever they land demarcus robinson that's gonna be that's the whale bring him back baby run it back to back <laughs> uh you can read that up on the athletic right now follow me on twitter at by nate taylor you can tweet mean things to me at jb briscoe and tell me that i hate brett veach you can, in fact you can even clip me in this in this <laughs> podcast saying i don't hate brett veach you can cut the word don't out Tweet it back at me. See if you can get some other people to, uh, you know, to, to jump on my tweet. <laughs> That's totally fine. You can do that at JB Briscoe on Twitter. Uh, all right. I think that covers everything. Nate, I'll let you close this out. Give us, give us a, you know, a message of calm, a message of peace, a message of optimism, anything to maybe just some counseling for Seth and I, whatever, really, however, however the spirit moves you. Uh, it's a no. And... <laughs> <laughs> for all of shout it? out, shout out to our guy, Douglas, who I know follows us. Um, he, he messaged me yesterday and it's been on my mind. He said, what, what is any advice for Tuscaloosa fans? Cause they're still here. <laughs> Tuscaloosa fans are still here. Here's my advice. If you aren't on rivals.com, if you're not on <laughs> NFL draft, whatever, these Tuscaloosa fans, man, say it. If the draft don't go well, my lord. Oh, <laughs> but my advice for Tuscaloosa fan is don't go full Tuscaloosa until after the draft. Then I want to hear four months of Tuscaloosa fan saying, you know what? Chiefs ain't even going to win the division anymore. It's going to be the Denver Broncos or the Chargers or the, you know, the Chargers are actually looking Oh, we gosh. do this every offseason. They look good. But anyway, I just want Tuscaloosa fans to just hold on. Hold hold on. Come at me in May after the draft. Because regardless of what Brett Beach and them boys do, uh, we know you're going to be upset. <laughs>